Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Uh, if you want to follow along, we have Pew Bibles. That's found on page 665. Again, uh, Jeremiah, chapter 2, 11 through 13. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory, for what does not profit? Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Good morning. I'm so, so blessed to be here today. I cannot express how much uh, I feel blessed by being here this summer. Uh, the youth is great. The parents are great. The grandparents are great. Everybody's great. Everybody's awesome. And I just want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come here and be a part of this great church. Uh, I thank you, elders, for giving me the opportunity to speak. And I thank you, God, for giving me this opportunity to speak. Uh, people have been asking where David Shannon was. I told him I just went down to the beach for a couple weeks and I uh, got a pretty mean tan. Um, but no, he's in Bristol right now and uh, I can't wait to come up there too after, after this, uh, this morning. I just want to begin by asking three questions. What kind of relationship do you want with God? What kind of relationship do you want with the almighty, infinite, powerful, loving God, a God that came to earth, a God that came in likeness of me and in likeness of you. When I imagine the Son of God, when I imagine Jesus Christ, uh, several things come to mind. Uh, the Redeemer, the Lamb, uh, best friend. My favorite, though, happens to be uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, and they mention him as uh, a brother. Growing up, I was the oldest of four, and in a lot of ways that made me the guinea pig for a lot of things. Not saying that's bad, just saying that's the way it was. Um, but because of that, I never really had somebody that I could go to, that I could just bounce thoughts of, that I could just talk to like, like an older brother. And so when Hebrews says that he's my brother, that means so much to me. Jesus is my older brother. He's the one I can talk to. He's the one that I go to when, when something happens in my life. And it means so much to me. And so I ask you, what kind of relationship do you have with the Son of God? Do you picture him as your best friend? Is he somebody that you can just uh, walk down the road with and he's hand in hand with you? Is he somebody in the passenger seat when you're riding down uh, in, in the car? Is he something, uh, somebody that you tell when something happens in your life? Is he the first person you go to? Does he pick you up when you can't walk on your own? What kind of relationship do you want with God. The second question, what do you want Christianity to be? When you became a Christian, did it meet your expectations? Did it shock you? Did it surprise you? Was it, was it easier than you thought it would be? Was it harder than you thought it would be? I don't know. What, what did you picture Christianity to be? What did you want it to be? This is our scale for Christianity right here. And the Bible gives us uh, an example of what Christianity over, uh, uh, what really Christian um, work is. In Luke chapter 9, it gives us this account. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, this is in verse 57, excuse me, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, 
Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus had a knack. Several times in the Bible, we see when a large crowd gathered around Jesus, he had a tendency to thin the crowd. Jesus is looking for a specific type of person to follow him. You see, he doesn't want people that are interested in the fish. He doesn't want people that are interested in the bread. He's not interested in people that only want Jesus for what he can give them. He wants people that will follow him for him. That's the person he wants. In this account, each person had to sacrifice something in order to follow Jesus. And so I ask right now, what did you have to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus? What are you sacrificing in order to follow Jesus? If you're not sacrificing anything, if you haven't sacrificed already, are you truly following the Son of God? We see the first person, um, Jesus gives us an example of, of, of a physical ideal of Christianity. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Christianity is not always going to be easy and comfortable. In fact, when we signed up for Christianity, we should have known that it wasn't going to be easy and comfortable. The last two are emotional needs. The first said, he said to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Back then, the cultural um, time span for, for a burial and a funeral took about one year. So he's kind of just brushing Jesus off. He's not really interested in following Jesus. Um, and another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but... Did you catch that? I will follow you, Lord, but... Are we making excuses today that keep us from following Jesus totally, completely, 100%? I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, a plow you have to use both hands with. And if you're looking back, that plow will easily veer off course. Jesus is looking for people that are 100% totally dedicated uh, to following him. All that focused attention. So here we have Christianity in our minds. This is what we want Christianity to be. And here we have the, the Christianity that's depicted in the Bible. It's not going to be easy or uncomfortable. Is your spiritual life easy and is it comfortable? You need to have total 100% focused attention. Are you distracted? You can't make excuses. It's now or it's never. Are you making excuses? Satan is so good at distracting us. And that's why we fall. What do you want Christianity to be? Because this is the way it is. The third question. What do you want your Christian life to be? Uh, we see all these people of faith like Moses and Paul, uh, Solomon, David. We see all these people of faith. And I know I can feel it. We want to live in faith just like that. We want to have that faith that says, God, look at me. God, I'm doing this for you. World, look and see what God can do. It is amazing. It is beautiful. Our hunger to follow God until it hurts. And so we run so fast. We chase after God to do something that the world says is impossible. The God that we serve does the impossible. We've all heard that. But we want to do something that's worth doing. 
It's human nature to do something or to want to do something that's worth doing. Yeah, you might get scraped and you might get bruised. You might break a couple things along the way. But it's worth it. Christianity is worth it. What's holding you back from faith like that? What's holding you back? What's distracting you? What's keeping you from sacrificing? I've got one reason why you should just drop everything and run to Jesus as fast as you can. God is better. He is. I want to know Christ and the power of His rising. Share in His suffering, conform to His death. When I pour out my life to be filled with His Spirit, joy follows suffering and life follows death. Father God, just for today, help me walk your narrow way. Help me stand when I might fall. Give me your strength to hear your call. May my steps be worship. May my thoughts be praise. May my words bring honor to your name. May my steps be worship, may my thoughts be praise, may my Fear, discomfort, dissatisfaction, pain. We don't like these words. We cringe from these words. These words just want to make us hide, run the other way. Whatever it is, we don't want anything to do with it. Get us away from pain and discomfort. I'll have nothing to do with it. These are the words that hold us back from living in faith like that. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have the hall of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, I will start reading in verse 29. It says this, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on the dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, in verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, kingdoms, enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Right here 
uh, this chapter is called the Hall of Faith. If I lived back then, boy, would I want to be in this chapter right here. This is, this is the ultimate. This is, if I am living my life for God, this chapter proves it right here. If I am mentioned in this chapter, I lived right for God. My faith was seen throughout the world. We have Moses, we have the Israelites, uh, Rahab. But my favorite part in this chapter are the last few verses. The unnamed, I call them. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. Some suffered mocking and flogging, chains of imprisonment, stoned. These people, though they're not named, are named with God. These people lived with 100% total dedication and focus and faith to God. My favorite part is verse 38. If I had a tombstone, or when I had a tombstone, excuse me, this is what I wanted to read. Of whom the world was not worthy. Not worthy on my account, but on his. The world is not worthy for God, but he came to earth. So we hear story after story of real Christians living today and facing challenges and doing small things and big things uh, for the kingdom. It's not about doing big things. It's not about doing small things. It's about doing something for the kingdom. I have a few uh, real stories from around the world today uh, of Christians that are um, going through persecution, and I have one story of uh, faith after these. Alim John had just begun planting fruit trees on his land uh, when he met and married his wife, Golner. They both were active in their church and were soon blessed with two children. This is in China. Life was good for this young family. Several years later, as the first fruit of the harvest grew near, the government arrested Alim John and confiscated everything he owned. Accused of harming national security and using his business as a cover for preaching Christianity among people of Uyghur ethnicity. In January 2008, Alim John was sentenced to 15 years in prison, the maximum penalty in China for the charge of divulging state secrets. This is in 2008, so he's still in prison. Prison life has been hard for Lim John. His shiny black hair is now streaked with gray. Life has also been difficult for Golner as she struggles to raise uh, their two young children on her own. The children miss their father, and because of pressure the family has experienced from society and authorities in their hometown, they have decided um, to move, but still take up their cross daily. Beaten and left for dead, Gajal Nahadri Paul, uh, age 38, lay bleeding from severe wounds. Earlier that day, he had been warned by a group of Hindu extremists to stop evangelizing. Unfazed by their threats, he continued to boldly distribute Bibles and share God's word. On July 1st, uh, while driving home on a borrowed motor scooter, two men suddenly attacked me with their faces covered with handkerchiefs, he said. After knocking him off the scooter, the men began to viciously beat him. When several Christians came to his aid, the assailants fled. He had been uh, beaten many times before, but this time had been his worst. Near death, he was rushed to the hospital where doctors treated him for severe head wounds and internal injuries. As he slowly recovers, Paul maintains his commitment to continue in full-time ministry. In spite of the danger, he has never wavered from his calling. And just two days after the attack, he declared from his hospital bed, Even if I die, I will die for the Lord. It is my responsibility to preach the gospel, and I will continue doing it. The Robinson Family family of five with three kids under the age of 10. They choose to celebrate Christmas a different way. On Christmas mornings, instead of focusing on the presents under the tree, uh, they make pancakes, brew an urn of coffee, 
and head downtown. And once there, they load the coffee and the food into the back of a red wagon, and with the help of their three-year-old, they pull the wagon around the streets in search of homeless people to offer a warm and filling breakfast on Christmas morning. It's not about doing big things. It's not about doing small things. It's about doing something. So live in faith. Give more than you can give to God. Go door knocking in your own neighborhoods. Ask that person to study the Bible with you. Make decisions that put God first by showing Him. We don't like the word fear, but we feel it. Get rid of it. Is it is a hypocritical to say, I trust God, but then say, I'm not going to do anything that I don't know the end result of. God, I trust you, but you can't expect me to do that. God, I trust you, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not fit for that. I'm not ready for that. We're scared, but we are not a scared people. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If every decision that you make is making your spiritual life more comfortable, then are you truly living in faith? Christians that want passion will live their lives being a little uncomfortable. Christians that want to do more and change the world will live their lives uncomfortably. Because if we're called to be set apart, but we don't live set apart, which means if we watch the same movies that the world watches, if we listen to the same music that the world listens to, if we wear the same clothes that the world wears, how are we living set apart? What makes us different? How do we go into a room and everybody knows that we're a Christian? We can't serve two masters. It's either God or it's the world. So live in faith. Do things that the world would say that's crazy. Influence when you can influence. Inspire when you can inspire. Love at all times. And bring everything back to Christ Jesus. Because that's the author and perfecter of our faith. I don't know how many days I have left. But I intend to make each day count. I don't know how many days we all have left. But make each day count. I've got three simple steps. Um, by no means this isn't everything. But three things if you want your faith to grow. Every day, hear God. Study his word. Love is pouring out on every page, I promise you. Next time you go to a Bible study, just take a step back and just realize that this is God speaking. Almighty, infinite, powerful God. And he wants you to know something. Every day, talk to God. Pray to him. I asked the question before, what kind of relationship do you want with God? He's my older brother. He's yours too. Talk to him. Every day, do something for God. It's not about big things or small things. It's about something. I don't know how many days I've had already, but just think for a moment. If every day we did just those three things, how would our worlds look today? And how would our world look today? Do these three simple steps and watch your faith explode. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what blocks you have in your minds, in your hearts, in your spiritual life, but if there is one reason why you should just turn away from all this, and completely devote yourself to God. If you should get rid of those, those fear words like pain and discomfort and run to Jesus with everything you've got, live your faith. It's that God is better. He is. Thank you.
Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. The love relationship. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is God speaking. And the whole time, in my mind, God is just saying, what have I done? What have I done to deserve this? See, these people have committed two sins. God's people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken God. And two, they have chosen their, uh, their sins above God. And the whole time, God's going, what did I do? What have I done to deserve this? You see, the people are going, I, God, I know that you're the living water. But right now, we want to dig our own well. I know we can get deeper than, with our own well than the living water. And God, we're going to use our cisterns to pull up the water. But the cisterns are broken. They don't hold water. And they're choosing that over God. And God's going, what did I do? I don't know what you struggle with, but I know you love God. Oh, I know you love God. I love God. I know sometimes you just want to shout, God, I love you. But I'm still struggling. God, I love you. Why am I still struggling? I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know if it's greed, if it's gluttony, being content, hate, jealousy, lust. I don't know what you struggle with. But I know you love God. You do what you hate. Romans 7.15 For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anytime you're struggling with those temptations, when you're looking for a way out, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus because God is better. Turn away from whatever you're getting ready to do because God is better. What kind of relationship do you want with God? What do you see God as? Do you see him as, as this judge that's just sitting up there just trying to control everything? Do you see him as just wanting to write off, you know, sin, 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 tally, tally, tally? Because that's not who our God is. Our God is love. When he speaks to us through his word, it's love pouring out on every page. When he tells you that he loves you, he means it. When you became a follower of Christ, uh, you knew that he saved you. You knew that he loved you. So live like you love him. Live like love. You know, the world doesn't understand love. They don't understand love. And um, 
Sometimes we don't understand love, but the world can understand why we love them so much. Why, with as much stuff as they're struggling with, 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 with as much as they're uh, turning against God, we still love them. We take them in. We help them, provide for them, be their friend. The world doesn't understand that. That's a good problem, isn't it? Because that means we're doing something right. If the world doesn't understand how much we love them, it's because they don't understand how much God loves them. When the world doesn't understand how much that I love my brother, it's because they don't understand how much God loves my brother. We love because he first loved us. God is better. That's the simple truth of the matter. God is better. If you're struggling with temptation and you need to get rid of it and you need to run to Jesus, run to Jesus as fast as you can because God is better. If you're struggling with living your life fully, 100% in faith, God is better. And you'll do it. As soon as you get that in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind, you will drop everything. I promise you. Live in faith, 100%. I said before and I'll say it again. It's not about the big things that you do. It's not even about the small things. It's doing something. God wants you to do something. Because He is better. He's the best thing that we could have ever asked, the best thing that we needed. And he gave it to us in the form of Jesus Christ, in the form of his spirit, in the form of somebody that we could call Father. God is better. Today, if you're here and, um, and you have anything on your mind, if you have anything that you would want us to pray for, we would love to do that right now. Uh, if you're here and you want to become a Christian, God is better than anything, any lifestyle, any way of life you could ever live. If you're here and you want to be a Christian, you want to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and live the Christian life, then now we give you the opportunity to do so. Whatever your need is, come and let us pray for you and let God handle the rest. Whatever your need